0: hello member welcome to the first edition of patty's Storytime, where we do uh one story about three times a week uh monday wednesday friday and it's just for the members only so you're getting stories that nobody else has and nobody else will have on our podcast so um i welcome my special guest patty wilson on with us tonight
1: Thanks, Kenny. Um, I wanted to tell everybody that these stories are actually going to come from some of my books and some of the research I've done for some of my books. So tonight I chose three selections out of my newest book, and um, I'll give a little bit of background information on them. I am fascinated with um, robbers and highwaymen and what have you, Davy Lewis's book. Um, called Pennsylvania's Gentleman Bandit and I've written about him extensively in um, one of my books and I've done a video with a a different producer and what have you over the about the stories and along with the research about Davy Lewis I also came across another bandit um, in the mid-1800s and his name was Mark McCoy. Now Mark McCoy was a He had all the attributes of a great highwayman and con man. He was suave. He was good looking. He was able to deflect everybody's attention. And he just had that knack of the gift of gab and and changing the, the course of a conversation. And the story is that he was up in Potter County, which is in um, the northern part of Pennsylvania. It is an area known as um, the Dark Forest. There's a huge Germanic population who immigrated to that area, and they thought it looked very similar to the, to the Dark Forest in um, Germany. So they kind of gave it the nickname. And um, there was a logging area because there was so much timber in that area during this time period. So Mark McCoy goes into this area and he becomes a highwayman. There's a turnpike road that goes through there. And in the time frame, a lot of the turnpike road was was utilized, sadly, by highwaymen. So what he would do is he would put a um, handkerchief over his face and a big hat over his, you know, his head so you really couldn't see his face very well. And he would ride out with a gun and he would rob the well-to-do. Now, it would um, would have made him a, a uh, outlaw, except for one thing. He was very cautious to only take money from those who were very well-to-do. If he accidentally stumbled across maybe a poor farmer or somebody like that, and a migrant worker or something, he would give them a few dollars if he had it and send them on their way. So the local people didn't dislike him. He was you know, very popular in the area, so nobody said anything, and those who knew who he, who he was kind of kept him quiet. In order to live in this area and work in this area, though, he had to create a persona, so he created a fictional persona of being a logging, a log buyer, and um, he asked around and found that there was um, a boarding house in the area where he could rent a room. He went to the boarding house, and he talked to the, the woman who ran it, which was a young woman by the name of Ava, It was actually her husband's home, and his parents lived there, and so did Ava, and they had several bedrooms, so they rented the rooms out to make a living, and her husband had passed away um, a couple years earlier. Ava was beautiful, dark hair, blue eyes, tall and lilth, um, and totally oblivious to the charms of, of any of the male boarders. She informed Mark right up front, you know, keep to yourself, mind your business, behave and have manners pay me on time and that's all you have to do i don't want anybody causing any trouble and i don't want anybody causing any drama and this was perfect for mark's you know persona that he was trying to build he didn't want people asking too many questions but this sounded like the place to be so he paid her in gold because it was the one coin that everybody would accept And he rented a room. Every so many days, he would ride off telling her he was going on a buying trip. He'd be gone for a few days, come back. He would have some jingle in his pocket, pay her for the next couple weeks, and hang out there for a while. And eventually, he'd ride out again to go on another buying trip, and off he would go. Well, what he really was doing at at this time was going up and down the toll roads, robbing people. And then he would come back and, you know, hang out for a little while, wait for it to calm down a little bit, and then he would go back out again. He began to really like Ava. In fact, he liked her a lot. And she didn't seem to notice. But he was convinced. You know how sometimes when you have a crush, you just think that person knows? And that's when he had a crush on Ava. So he begins to think that she knows that he likes her, but he's, she's such a lady that he has to wait until he can um, make the first move. Her in-laws notice it, too, and they think he's a, a reputable man, a businessman. And so they kind of give him their blessing and say, you know, if you can make Ava happy, that's good. She was a, She's a good daughter-in-law and a good girl, and we would like to see her be happy again. So he felt like he had an open highway here. She obviously wasn't interested in anybody else. And, you know, he was going to make a couple good scores and then settle down with Ava. But things unfortunately went wrong. One afternoon, he was um, out on a buying trip and he saw a man coming on a horse. He looked like he might be well-to-do. So he put his bandana over his face and he pulled on that slouch brim hat that would hide his face. And he rode out of um, the woods right in front of the guy. And it was a young attorney from Williamsport area and he had his gun drawn and usually people just stopped they gave him the money and then they they went on their way this guy didn't he he kind of balked and he spurred his horse forward and when he did he flew past um mark mccoy and either by accident or because of him him being startled the gun went off and he shot the attorney the attorney didn't die right away he kept riding, holding on to the horse, and he rode a little ways down the road where he ended up falling off the horse just outside of a cabin, and the people found him, and he died within two hours of being shot. But he had time enough to tell them what had happened, and suddenly Mark McCoy, the gentleman bandit of the Black Forest, was no longer the gentleman bandit. He had hurt someone for the first time, and he knew that the people in the area were going to turn against him. So he rode Hell for Leather back to the boarding house and he came rushing in and he told Ava, I love you, Ava, and I have to go. I've just been offered this great business opportunity out west and you've got to come with me. You've got to. I'm in love with you and I want to marry you. And she was shocked because she really didn't have the faintest idea. She kind of put him off and she said, no, I I think you misunderstood. I I was just nice to you and I'm not interested in getting married again. Not, Not to you. I'm sorry. And, you know, she sent him on his way. He rode off into the woods, but he didn't leave the area. He was convinced that all he needed to do was go back and talk to Ava one more time. And he could convince her. He was sure of it. So, he hid in the woods, not too far from the boarding house, and he waited till late that night. He thought he would ride back in, and after everybody settled down for the night, he would go in and talk to her and and convince her to pack her stuff and ride off with him. However, before he got into the house, he noticed her moving around on the porch, and suddenly she kind of darted off the porch towards the barn, and she's in her nightgown with a shawl wrapped around her, and he's just kind of watching, thinking, you know, what's she doing running out to the barn this late at night? So he's standing there kind of in the shadows watching what's happening. And she doesn't come back out of the barn right away. And it puzzles him. So eventually he walks down toward the barn and he hears voices. She's in there with somebody else. And he cracks open the door and he sees her in the arms of a Native American man who he recognized immediately as one of the men who came to the boarding house quite frequently to sell her um, meat. He would hunt and sell the wild game. And she was quite obviously taken with him. She was kissing him. And this infuriated Mark. He stepped into the barn. He called the guy out and he shot her and he shot the Native American man. In less than 10 hours, he had now killed three people. And he knew that there was no going back. He wasn't going to ever be able to get past this. So he got on his horse and he rode away. Down the road... Several miles, there was an old abandoned log cabin that he would often hide out in. He went there, and a few days later, somebody happened to stop by it, and when they went inside, they found his body hanging. He had committed suicide. Well, suicides don't get buried in a cemetery, at least not in that time frame. So what they did, the locals, was they dug a shallow grave not too far from the cabin, and they just put him in there and left him go people talked about him and about the story and what have you but over the course of time it kind of died down a little bit and about two years later there was a fella who um, stopped there and fellow by the name of Trexler and he was a hunter and he had a pack of hunting dogs with him and he was waiting there to meet up with two friends of his and they were going to go off hunting now you have to recognize that in his time frame hunting would for um, while game and for furs was a way of making a living so this was his job He got there a couple days ahead of his buddies, and he decided to just kind of hang out at the cabin and rest. That first night, he heard a lot of grousing and carrying on and barking and growling and carrying on from the dogs. He went outside to see what was up, and there they were with the bones from Mark McCoy's grave. They had dug them right up. It had been a shallow grave, and over the course of time, you know, the – rain and what have you a kind of almost almost unearthed them and the dogs finished the process the bones were scattered around and trexler he had a kind of morbid sense of humor and he picked up the skull and he knew exactly who it was because everybody in the area knew the story and he said well mr mccoy you'll give my friends a grand fright tomorrow and he nailed the guy's skull above the door and went back in the house, into the cabin, and to go to bed. In the middle of the night, he suddenly sat up. He could have swore he heard something screaming, and then it happened again and again. Horrible screams that just ripped through the night. He couldn't imagine what it was. And he jumped out of bed, and the dogs were yelping and howling and carrying on at the door. He opened the door, and the dogs went flying out. He stepped out carrying a lantern. And was looking around to see what was out there, a mountain lion or whatever it was. And suddenly it dawned on him the screaming wasn't coming from the darkness. It was coming from above his head, from the skull that was hanging over the door. And he looked up and the skull literally came unhooked from the nail and flew at him and caught him in the head. When he came conscious again, he was laying on the ground. The dogs were scattered around him. And he could hear the screaming still going on as the dogs fought over the skull. He ran in the house and he stayed there till daylight. At daylight he went out, he fetched up the skull and the bones and he dug a hole and he buried them proper, thinking this will end it. He couldn't really leave because he had to be there to meet his friends that next day. Well, when the friends finally got there that night, he told them he didn't want to stay in the cabin. He wanted to move on elsewhere. There had to be a better place to stay. And what had happened about Mark McCormick, McCoy in the skull but uh, the friends laughed at him and called him a foolish superstitious man and and that was ridiculous and that night they turned the dogs out for the night and went to bed all three of them in the middle of the night this horrible screaming suddenly started up and suddenly the all three of them were believers they ran out into the night with the a lantern lit and there were the dogs they had dug up the bones again and were ripping at the bones and particularly the skull they were batting it around and pawing at it trying to fight over it one of the men rescued the skull and took it and sat it down where the dogs couldn't reach it and they ran back in the house the skull was still screaming and it screamed all night long come morning they buried it again they took the dogs and they left but the story of the screaming skull would be heard many times It seemed that every time those bones were unearthed, whether it was by wild animals or by weather or by people who were curious, the skull would set up a terrible ruckus, screaming and carrying on, and it became a local legend. And for many, many years, people would point to that area and say, you know, that's where Mark McCoy's screaming skull lays, down there in them woods. And I just think that's an amazing story. Um, there were newspaper accounts, journal entries, a lot of really interesting data that I used to put that story together.
0: Have you been up there?
1: I've been to the general area. I have not been to the exact spot.
0: Okay, so you don't know exactly where they are.
1: No, it's just it's along this one stretch of road and, um, you know, the cabin's gone. And so it would be it's kind of hard to locate it now. But it's the general area is well known yet. Hmm. But it's a great story, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. I never heard of him. I've only heard of Robert Lewis. Uh there because are a lot. he's like the only <laughs> the only one that that uh I guess there were more than one Robin Hoods of Pennsylvania, huh?
1: There were many um thieves, if you will. There mm-hmm. were the Dones gang, there was Simon Gertie, there was um Davy Lewis, um there were so many of them. And each of them had their own stories and their own regional fame. Lewis became the most famous because he was not just known throughout Pennsylvania, he was known all across from Canada all the way down to you know, Kentucky and Georgia. Um th- there are stories of him riding all the all the way from, from down south all the way into Canada and doing what he did.
0: Has anybody ever found any evidence of of his treasure? Lewis? Yeah
1: funny you mentioned that because the uh, gentleman who did the um, exorcism video yeah uh, Ryan Cavillan, um, he and um, some friends of his actually did a documentary on it I got um, the privilege to be part of it and they um, did actually go and look and I can't tell you they found a part of his treasure but they might have and if not his treasure certainly of a treasure Oh,
0: that's um, what by, was following,
1: <laughs> by following the directions um, given by the local traditions in a certain area it's a really interesting story and um, it's fascinating to, to uh, watch as he unfolds the story from many different perspectives and then they actually go on a little bit of a of a uh, treasure hunt, if you will, and act actually find something.
0: Well, that's close to where you grew up, right?
1: Well, it's all he's all over PA, all the way from um, Bedford County and. Um, he was spent a lot of time in uh, Franklin County, which is Gettysburg area. Adams County is Gettysburg, but Franklin and, and Adams and um, York County and what have you. So he he kind of plied the whole county or the okay. whole state rather. But yeah, it wasn't. It was maybe three hours from where we live, and uh, but it's a great story and um, it's really cool because he literally climbed into one of his caves and found a a small treasure.
0: I'm sure there's treasures and all kinds of caves <laughs> all over the place
1: <laughs> it was interesting it was very interesting though because what were the odds that they would follow a, a story and end up with something
0: right yeah that's awesome it I'm, is i've it was... always wanted to spelunk in it like non-grand caves just like little ones like that just to see if i could find anything i'll call yeah. him up <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: it should well actually i'm hoping to have him on to talk about a couple of his things we should ask him about it while we have him on
0: okay that sounds good all right. Tease for a future episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Definitely a tease for a future episode. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Now, so ne-
0: once again, uh, which book is that from?
1: That is from um, A Ghost Hunter's Tales, which is my newest book. You can get it on Amazon. Okay. And um, I'm actually going to do three stories from that book tonight. Um, three that I thought were interesting in different ways.
0: All right. Well, once again, thank you very much for being a member with us. And uh, we look forward to bringing you another story soon.
1: Thank you.